listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. This is episode 15, I think, but not like the number really matters anymore because we all know what you're here for. Randy Edsel has been fired. What a big, big day. What a big Sunday and weekend for Maryland Athletics. I'm joined by two people today. Former editor of Testudo Times, but he has to come back to talk about the change that he had been advocating so strongly for. Pete Volk, welcome back, Pete. I don't know about advocating, but hey, I feel good. You, you were advocating. You turned your entire Twitter profile to Dino Babers fan after Maryland lost to Bowling Green. You wanted to change. As I've said before on this podcast, there's nothing wrong with a man loving another man named Dino Babers. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, we're going to drop that subject and move on to the now one of our co-editors at the Studio Times, Alex Kirstner. And uh, when Pete took over, I think it was three years ago, Maryland moved to the Big Ten. When you take over, Maryland football fires its coach. So when you leave eventually, uh, Under Armour's going to fold or something. Sounds about right, yeah. That would, that would make a lot of sense. Well, if it's Dave leaving, then maybe Maryland loses the football program altogether. But not, not, not much we could say. But let's, let's cut to the chase. Randy Edsel has been fired. It's something we all sort of expected to happen, and then it became a fait accompli on Thursday when the news was beginning to leak. Before we get on to coaching candidates, which I know you want to listen to, what was your immediate reaction to the firing on Sunday? Pete, I'll start with you. Wow. So uh, this is going to come up later when we talk about the Ohio State game, but I actually had a very strange weekend. So this, uh, I, I don't think I was able to like fully emotionally respond at, a, at, at, at the time. Um, because uh, I'm also covering esports, as we've talked about on this podcast for yes, Nation. which is probably far more uh, enlightening to your life at this point. <laughs> well, so what that meant was after, uh, on Saturday, I worked starting at 6 a.m. to cover the tournament. And then the games were happening all day. And so since I worked for college football, I was up till 2. So from 6 to 2 was my day that day. But the problem was on Sunday, the game started at 4. So I was up then doing all that. And so when all this happened, uh, like, I was, like, napping. I mean, like... Man, it, my immediate reaction was being asleep. But well, when you woke up and your brain was able to comprehend what the words you were reading meant. <laughs> well, you know, it was expected. So I think a lot of the emotions of like relief are through. I mean, it's just it was a it was an awkward situation to have him being like a zombie coach already. So it's just okay, we're done with that. Now we can move on. Alex, you were in Ohio. You were at the game. And you saw the kind of bizarre press conference that happened afterwards. Were you surprised that the firing came down when it did? Uh, no. Uh, Randy Edsel had a media teleconference scheduled for 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And the, I just thought it would have been um, improbable and sort of outrageous if he'd been expected to face the media again. So uh, I, was, I was pretty unsurprised when it happened when it did. If you know, The only thing that we were really wondering about um, – was if it would come down while everyone was in the car on the plane back to Maryland from Ohio State. Um, but as a, as a matter of general timetable, not at all. Not surprised. Well, as a matter of being nice to the media who was traveling back from Columbus, they didn't fire him I Saturday. Think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, if they did, then I certainly wouldn't have been able to pay attention because I had many other sports things that were going on that I was yelling at at the same time. Let's not talk about either of those things. Chase Utley is a dirty player. Okay, moving on very, very quickly from that. I'm a Dodgers fan, and I agree. Thank you. See? Well, in a See? sense, read Grant Bisbee on it. He will, he will explain all. 
that's to yeah. you listeners. We're here to talk about Maryland. Yes, and I won't get into that because I'm going to anger so many people. Anyway, and the U.S. lost to Mexico. Anyway, I shouldn't be getting sidetracked. You want to hear about coaching candidates. We talked about it before, but we're going to go really in-depth now. We, Pete posted a crazy list of like 31-something candidates that could possibly be Maryland's head coach next season. Pete, just give us a general idea of what, and Kevin Anderson said specifically that he's looking for an offensive-minded, exciting head coach. I don't know how much that means because it's October 12th. But what do you think the general framework of a Maryland of next Maryland's next football coach is going to be like? Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting search, I think, uh, just because Maryland as a job um, has changed a lot since Randy Etzel was hired. Um, there's been the move to the Big Ten. There's an extra commitment from Under Armour, um, especially in the form of the facilities, which are very important. And so it's it's hard to kind of figure out, like, what level of coach can Maryland attract now? Because, you know, in, in the ACC, in the situation Maryland was in at the time, uh, it wasn't possible to maybe dream a little bigger. Uh, but... Just in terms of how Kevin Anderson is talking now, he seems to be serious about it, although obviously as an athletic director, it is your job to appear serious with these kind of things. Um, so once some actual names start coming out, we'll get a better idea. I know a lot of people have made lists, and so you know, I put a lot of people in mind. That was partly because of my desire to be thorough, but it was mostly to kind of poke a little fun at the ridiculousness of trying to pick out specific names at this point in time. Because, I mean, obviously we can make connections of, like, who are people who have ties to the area or are people who will likely be hired for bigger jobs soon. But that doesn't really mean much until you start hearing about who Maryland has been talking to. Well, it also doesn't mean much when you consider it's October 12th. And exactly. we don't know what other jobs are going to open up. And this is something I'm going to stress now because of when we are. We don't know what other jobs are going to open up. There's a possibility Miami's job could open up, USC's job could open up. And however big Kevin Anderson is talking, Alex, Maryland is a smaller job than both of those schools. And there is a possibility that schools of similar stature are also going to have their jobs open up. So what do you think the status of Maryland's job is as we speak? I think it's a really strong opening, and I think it's a really attractive thing for a lot of coaches to look at. Um, I wrote something about this when word initially broke on Thursday that Maryland was planning to fire Randy Etzel. Uh, but there are a couple of really good factors and a couple that I didn't even mention. Um, the obvious ones that jump out are being in the Big Ten, having the Under Armour connection, uh, having the new Cole Fieldhouse being built here, um, and being in an area just geographically where there's a lot of football talent. Um, along those lines a little further, um, Dwayne Haskins appears to be very much on board. which And Tino Ellis. And Tino Ellis. Um, but particularly Dwayne Haskins, which means that uh, whichever coach comes in, is going to have an elite prospect at quarterback with four years of eligibility left uh, and apparently a really strong passion for the University of Maryland to work with. Uh, that's pretty attractive. And uh, everything else that I mentioned I think is better than people are going to find almost anywhere. Uh, that's not to say that Maryland is a great job, but Maryland has a lot of factors playing in its favor that should make it uh, so that Kevin Anderson doesn't need to beg. Pete, I, there's two things that I wanted to mention first of all. The first one is there are 64 Power 5 jobs available. If you add Notre Dame, that's 65. So obviously Maryland's job is attractive in that sense because you're going to take one of those 65 if you can get them. 
But did you think when you saw those Dwayne Haskins tweets, and it's inevitable that people in Maryland's athletic department and Kevin Anderson saw them, it would be impossible not to. Don't you think that kind of made it a fait accompli? Because the only thing that could have propped Edsel up was the idea that the recruits he had made and the big ones that he had landed were going to leave if he, was, if he wasn't there. Uh, no, ultimately, I don't think that factored into the decision. Um, I think that it sure makes it easier, but I think no matter what, he was gone. Um, because that even, I mean, Dwayne Haskins tweeting that he wants to stay honestly doesn't mean anything. I mean, like, when I was a teenager, I could have said and really meant this thing in October. Like, as I wrote in my goodbye piece, I thought I was going to Elon. I was sure. I was certain of it. And then when signing day came around, changed my mind. Not saying that Dwayne Haskins will do that. He's given every indication. And I fully believe that he thinks. But, like, things change when head coaches go. And that's okay. So um, I don't think that this had anything to do with that because Maryland needed to make this change no matter what. And uh, as we've talked about before, one quarterback recruit, no matter how many recruits, it's not worth keeping a coach if you don't think he's going to get the job done. And it was clear watching his press conference yesterday, Kevin Anderson had thought that now. Okay, let's get on to some of the names. I think we should... I really think we should start with talking about Mike Loxley because right now, as Alex said before we started recording, he has the plurality of, well, the plurality of being the, the plurality favorite. Thank you. Thank you for saving me from myself. He's the plurality favorite because, well, he's the only one right now, and he has six games to prove himself. No other candidate is going to get six games at the University of Maryland to prove themselves as a the head coach. So, Pete, before we get in, I think many people are talking about how Mike Loxley's only other tenure as a head coach was a disaster, and it was. So what does he bring, and what are the changes that we could see just briefly on the field from Loxley heading into the final six games of the season? What would he have to do? Well, we, what we'll see and what would he have to do kind of fit in as two questions with fitting into one question. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, because it— it wasn't just that Mike Loxley went, uh, what was his record? 2-22, and 22, I believe. 2-26, and 26, I believe. 2-26 and 26 in, in two I seasons. I undershot it. At New Mexico, yeah, which is just like a pretty unfathomable number. Um, it's that also he punched an assistant coach. Um, he, what else did he do? Uh, his son's friend was arrested for drinking and driving in a car register. There were some legal things as well. There were ultimately... He was accused of um, ageism and sexism by someone in the office. And I think it's Uh, important to note that those charges uh, did not stick, and I think Loxley ultimately sued for for defamation. And uh, it's not just that he was 2-26, and but uh, if you go by Bill Connolly, who's the stats guy at SB Nation, showed me his database of every season in the past, like, 10 years um, for every team sorted by F slash plus, which is kind of a catch-all advanced statistic. And the two worst seasons in the past decade were Loxley's two at New Mexico. And his second one was worse than his first. It was really bad. However, I think it's quite possible he's the best candidate for the Maryland job full-time. So who knows what will happen? I think he has the tools to be a really good Maryland coach. I don't think many people, or maybe any people, have the tools to be a really good New Mexico coach. (laughs) Um, Good good point. So I think, I, I don't know, I, it's going to be a really hard situation for him because he probably needs to win a lot of games to keep the job. And that's not likely with this team. Um, but, like, Maryland wants to make a splash higher an off, with an offensive mind. 
And hey, if that means that Loxley sticks around as quote unquote offensive coordinator while the head coach runs the offense, that might also be like the best case scenario. Because I think everyone can agree that Mike Loxley's recruiting prowess is very, very important to Maryland. But as long as he's running the offense, there's probably going to be a problem. That I would tend to agree with. Alex, do you think, what would you think would Mike Loxley would have to do to get this job full time? Because even though he's right now the best candidate, it's because we're talking in October. I don't think he's going to end up being the guy that gets the job come January. I just don't see any way that it's possible with the, even if you take his Kevin Anderson's talk at face value, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I don't think that Maryland's record in the next six games should be that big of a factor. Uh, you know, the next really good Maryland team is going to look a lot different in a roster composition sense than this one will. Um, not to say that you disregard on-field results for the second half of the season, because you obviously don't. Um, but I think the most important thing that Mike Loxley could do um, is show that he is uh, that he is able to recruit as well as he always has, um, that he's able to completely keep Maryland's class together um, that Randy Edsel and his staff have built, um, and that he can maybe add to that with some of the big names that are still on the board. Um, obviously, Trevon Diggs is in that group. Um, Rashawn Smith, the middle linebacker, is in that group. So... I mean, he's got his work cut out for him on the recruiting trail, and I think to some degree that needs to be the the big yardstick that's used. So when you think about Loxley, just in terms of on-the-field performance before we get to other candidates, Alex, what does the on-the-field performance have to look like? Because, well, he could easily go into all of his games and get blown out in all of them, or he could keep them Maryland competitive. They look competitive against Ohio State, more competitive than I thought they were going to look. May, and the schedule, I mean, it's obviously it's difficult, but there are chances to impress in there. What would the on-the-field product have to look like? Uh, the on-the-field product probably needs to look a little bit like we saw on Saturday against Ohio State. Um, Kevin Anderson said in his press conference that he wants to see wide-open offense, and he said that Maryland would, quote-unquote, embellish uh, some of the kind of trickeration that we saw against the Buckeyes. I mean, Mike Loxley was doing some very un-Mike Loxley things against Ohio State, and he was doing them pretty well, and they were working against a good defense. Yeah, what was that uh, one play some, we saw? Triple oh, Shane Cockrell. Shane, Shane Cockrell. Cockrell under center. <laughs> Will likely got the ball on offense. Got, uh, on a little kind of, I don't know if you wouldn't call it a reverse, but on Oh, really? Sleep. I didn't even see oh, that yeah. play. I was yeah, Will likely, Will likely came in. It was bef- the play before Maryland tied the game. Will likely took a handoff. Um, there were some there was triple, a triple options. Reverse. There, were, there were some things that looked like a quintuple option, like, like, a, like some kind of reverse option. Um, there were two Auburn-style pop passes. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of kind of fun stuff, and it worked. I mean, Maryland's three scoring drives all involved pretty interesting play calling that we haven't seen before. Um, That's what you got to do when you have the worst players. Maryland just doesn't do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I actually thought Mike, Lo- Mike Loxley was, like, really out there. He was really out there and uh, doing a pretty good job against Ohio State. We might see more of that. It's finally looked like a team that should be playing with house money was playing with house money for once. Yeah, they didn't care. They definitely didn't care. And it, and, was, and it showed because the performance just said, you know, we don't care. We're not intimidated by the atmosphere we're in. I mean, we'll talk about the game in a little bit, but that was at least an encouraging sign. And hopefully against Penn State and on down the line, we see more of that because if you're going to just run straight offense the way that they had been trying to run it, they're going to look terrible scoring six points in two games. Let's move on to other candidates because there are a lot of them. And I know, Pete, on an old podcast, we said we would not talk about Chip Kelly as a Maryland head coaching candidate again. Uh, Unfortunately, we have, we have to. I know I'm making you very sad in your return to this great show, but we have to talk about it. I'm going to put out the proviso right now. 
he is two and three with the Eagles in a very bad NFC East. It is still quite possible that he wins the division. If he does, he is not getting fired. He has a cushy job as coach and general manager and is being paid handsomely. He would have to be paid more than that, and the Eagles season would have to go completely in the wrong direction for Chip Kelly to even be remotely considered for the Maryland job. And as you pointed out before, Pete, he hated coaching in college. It's true. I, I, <laughs> it's just it's a little frustrating how often it's being thrown out there just because you know that a rumor is going to start that, like, Kevin Anderson just said no to Chip Kelly and hired whoever disappointed guy. I don't know. It's just it's an unreal uh, it's an unreasonable level for the Maryland coaching search to start out at. I think fans might need to temper their expectations because of this rumor. Um, but if it happened, it's it, that would be great. But like that would require, as I wrote in the the post today, literally Kevin Plank saying, "I want Chip Kelly, and we'll do whatever it takes." I mean, then it, that's going to happen. No, it could, but. It, it could, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't think so either. You don't? I mean, I don't think it's impossible, um, but it's not likely because, first and foremost, it's not likely that he's going to lose his job in Philadelphia. As I said, it would have to go completely in the wrong direction for him to lose his job in Philadelphia. And because the division's so bad, this isn't a pro football podcast, but the division's so bad that they could still win the division at 9-7, and seven, and he's not losing his job if the Eagles make the playoffs. Doesn't matter how good they are. So let's get to more realistic coaching candidates. And with this wide-open offense proviso, it's kind of eliminated some of the candidates we might have thought would have been strong ones. My personal favorite, Matt Rule. Uh, but who are some others that you have to be looking at? We've mentioned them before, but Pete, who are some that you are going to keep your eye on a little bit closer now? Um, okay, I think I think we can just – we have multiple people here. We can do this two ways. I'll talk about some of the ones that I think uh, – you should keep a close eye on. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with the candidates, Matt. I think all three of us could kind of say who our five, uh, yeah. five favorite ones are. We could. I'll start with... There's so many. Yeah, yeah. I'll start... I, I want to start with Matt Rule because I've watched okay. a bit of Temple. Uh, they, they're not a wide-open offensive team. They don't have the talent really to do so. But they're as solid a program as you can come. And after all of that turnover, Al Golden... Uh, Whoever's the Steve Adazio at Boston College, I mean, they have some issues right now that they have to deal with. But they're solid college football coaches. And I think for Maryland's level, if you get Matt Rule to bring some of the performance he's getting at Temple, they've beaten Penn State this year. They could beat Notre Dame later this year. You would bring a solid program culture. And if Maryland is consistently 8-4 and four in the Big Ten, that's not a bad place to start. But the issue is Randy Edsel was supposed to do that, and he didn't. And can Maryland afford to hire another coach like that? Yeah, well, no. And I think that that is a common uh, frame of thought that, like, hey, Matt Rule's consistently winning eight games here. Maryland would take that. Or even, hey, Bo Pelini consistently won nine games oh, here. Maryland would take that. Don't even mention his name, please. But, like, it, it doesn't always translate that way, as is evident with Randy Etzel and Maryland. I mean, that he, that's, he was hired because he did that at Connecticut, and that didn't really work. So, uh, Matt Rule, I think, is a solid potential candidate. I don't think it's likely just because of what Kevin Anderson said about offense. It would be really weird, I think, if Kevin Anderson yeah. hired a defensive person at this point. Um, but you, that doesn't mean that couldn't be the correct call. Um, there are some good candidates that are more defensively minded. Um, in terms of people I'm keeping my eye on, um, 
the off the offensive comment seems to kind of take Greg Schiano out of the equation, which makes me happy. Yeah, I saw an NJ.com writer who covers Rutgers say, why wouldn't Greg Schiano go to Maryland? It makes perfect sense. Only if you're a sadistic Rutgers fan. And I know many sadistic Rutgers fans who would love that. There, it's there just not possible. Other, there had been others in the media who had connected him saying that, like, this will be a conversation. Um, so if if Kevin, what Kevin Anderson said is going to be the guideline, then I'm happy to hear. Although Greg Schiano probably would have been successful at Maryland, um, there's just too many other factors with him with regards to like how his era in Tampa Bay went. Um, but As a friend of mine mentioned when uh, he's going to push the line on every time the opposing team takes a kneel down. Yeah. I, I would keep an eye on the three uh, sort of Mac candidates. I Just because that seems to be a pattern for Big Ten schools, especially Big Ten schools near Maryland's caliber and prestige. Unfortunately, uh, that means Purdue too. Right. So like Daryl Hazel. Uh, came from the Mac. Uh, Tim Beckman came from the Mac. Um, it can work sometimes. It doesn't other times. But the three of them are Dino Babers, who beat Maryland this year, uh, P.J. Fleck, and Matt Campbell. Babers definitely fits the wide-open offense. Uh, he coached under Art Bryles at Baylor and then went over to Eastern Illinois, uh, turned that into like a national contending FCS program with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback and now just scores tons and tons of points at Bowling Green, and as a quarterback, still currently on pace to set the FBS passing yards uh, in a season record. Is that held by Colt Brennan? No. Um, it is held by... God, I don't remember, but the guy just broke it. Um, I thought it was held by Colt Brennan. I'm going to find out. And I'm gonna okay. Alex, while you while you go do that, Alex... I can, I can, I can double task. It's fine. Okay. Uh, PJ Fleck from Western Michigan... Uh, he's he's another one. Uh, really, he's probably going to take Illinois' job. That would be interesting. I mean, he's that's more regional for him, but he's done a really good job recruiting in that area. Um, I would be interested if like someone like PJ Fleck, who is from that area and went to Northern Illinois, he would probably take the Illinois job, I guess, over Maryland. I feel like most wouldn't. I don't know. That's going to be interesting. And what about uh, Matt Campbell, who I think is Toledo's coach, if I'm correctly? They're ranked yeah. right now. He he might be the uh, the most interesting candidate. Also, it's B.J. Simons, the old Texas Tech quarterback, who holds the record. Thank you. Um, Matt Campbell's team looks really good. I mean, they beat Arkansas. Um, Arkansas then lost to Texas Tech as well. But it's possible both of those teams are kind of good. I don't know. Ar Arkansas <laughs> played well with Alabama, and Matt Campbell beat them. So congrats to Alabama for your transitive win over Matt Campbell. <laughs> the um, transitive property is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so those guys I would keep an eye on. I guess you should keep an eye on Frank Reich as well. Just you know, hotshot NFL offensive coordinator who also went to Maryland. I don't think that's likely as likely as people think, just because yeah, he's a right. bit older and has never coached in college. Ever. I think he and I think he's well in line to possibly get an NFL head coaching job, which he would take over coming back to Maryland. Uh, a little sidetrack. He's, like, he's on TV tonight against the Steelers, I believe. He is. It's, it's amazing. On one thing about Frank Reich, it's amazing how good his offenses are when they have so such a short deck. So he's also, a very good also offensive. Frank Reich is in a position. I mean, he he seems to be. Um, he's gone places where he's had quarterbacks, um, and Maryland will have a quarterback. But for the long term, I think it's important to note that he's generally been pretty good quarterback situations. Well, that's kind I'm, of what... I'm not sure how... I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I'm not sure how innovative of a mind he is. I don't know. 
yeah, people, I, I don't know. that It's it's weird to me, the conversation about Frank Reich, because he only started coaching in 2008, where Peyton Manning was pretty well established with the Colts. Right, and then he was and with Arizona been, when Arizona been, had Paul, yeah, I think. But he's only been an offensive coordinator for a year. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little early to, like, I, I, I mean, the NFL works like this, so I don't know what to say to that. But it's very weird to me that how the NFL works that he could be in line for a head coaching job already. Yeah, it's it, interesting. It's very interesting. So Frank, so Frank Reich is another. I think I would say Tom should, Herman and Justin Fuente as well, if they don't take yes, the jobs. Yes, okay, that's what I was about to get to. The two in the American. Tom Herman just took the Houston job, and Houston's pretty good. And Justin Fuente's been a hot name. Memphis is unbeaten, and they play Ole Miss. Up Those are probably weekend. the two best non-Power 5 teams in the country. And yep. knowing that, Herman just took the job. Fuente is – they would both be in line for higher jobs than Maryland, yes. you would think, right? That's uh, Maryland should feel very probably, thankful that yeah. Charlie Strong just beat Oklahoma <laughs> because uh, not that Charlie Strong is really in a position to get fired by Texas just because of how early it is, but you never know what Texas will do. And if things got really bad, sure, it could happen. And then Tom Herman or Justin Fuente would probably get the Oh, job. I think it would have been Tom Herman. So the thing yeah. is, Tom Herman seems like I don't, I've never met the guy, but everyone seems to like Tom Herman a lot. He's got a lot of, a lot of capital right now. Yeah, I wonder if Tom Herman would jump from Houston in within a year or two. I mean, obviously he's got his. You know, you would think have, his sights set on something higher eventually. Um, but actually, it's never yeah. a good look to leave a job that quickly. I mean, he'll, he'll take a lot of really bad ink. I don't think so, to be you honest. Yeah, just because it's it's such a jump up. Like mm -hmm. I I think that it's understood um, when you're a school that's not in the power conference that your coach is going to leave if he does a good job. I mean, like you have to understand that. Right. As, right. as a fan base, as an athletic director, I mean, like, sometimes, like, Arkansas State had that problem. I mean, I, you guys remember with, like, Gus Malzahn and Bobby Petrino, and it was just, like, this rotating one-year coach thing, uh -huh. and um, Brian Harson, And uh, so they, this past year, hired Blake Anderson specifically because they knew he wasn't going to leave. But, like, if you're hiring Tom Herman, national title-winning offensive coordinator, Broyles Award winner, a hot shot recruiter, like all everything coaching candidate, you know he's going to leave soon. Um, and Maryland might need to know that too, if Maryland. True, hired. absolutely, absolutely, because he would still be a, a strong candidate for the Texas job if that ever opened up again, which it will at some point, and that's how all coaching jobs are. But, I, I um, love that that comment you've made on past podcasts really rang true yesterday. Which one's that? Maryland will have another head coach at some point in the future. Turned out the future was Sunday, October 11th, 2015. And yeah, maybe Kevin Anderson was listening. Um, uh, I but, hope he does. That would be awesome for us. We get the yeah. we get the seal of approval from the higher ups. But back to Tom Herman. I've talked to this actually. Uh, talked about specifically Tom Herman in Maryland with some people who are more in the know, not in terms of like. Basically, we talked about it, and I think Maryland would have to offer him a lot of money, um, because like. It, it would be a big risk for him in his coaching career, I think, to go from Houston to Maryland. Because if he stays at Houston, he can probably continue to win a lot of games um, at that job and really build it into something because they're recruiting extraordinarily well as well. I mean, And the American is not five -star the Big recruit. Ten East. Yeah, he's probably not going to stay, but they have one. Um, exactly. Mm -hmm. The American, although it's getting a lot better, I mean, they have some good teams in that conference. It's a winnable conference for a team that re can recruit in Houston, which he can. So he could, I mean, unless Maryland's willing to offer like three, three and a half, four million dollars, I think, per year, and they were paying Edsel two point one, um, yeah. they'd have to really. I think no matter what, they have to rise to at least three and a half million if they want to get serious with this. 
and serious means Tom Herman or Justin Fuente or like uh, Dan Mullen or uh, Kyle Whittingham. The shot uh, really came off of Dan, Dan Mullen a little bit in the last yeah. uh, year or so. Mm-hmm. Well, he he is working in a very tough situation there. Um, yeah. So that's tough, a very tough uh, neighborhood. So Kyle Whittingham, I think, would like maybe be my favorite one. Uh, just Why because, well, it's so rare that you get an opportunity to maybe hire a coach. Do you think he'd leave from the Pac-12 to... This, this is what I'm there. saying. Like, okay, so like, there's nothing wrong with Kyle Whittingham at Utah. I mean, they're a playoff contender. He's, they're doing great. I mean, the transition from the Madden West to the Pac-12 has gone extraordinarily well. Um, it's just that he and the uh, people in charge of the, the school have had very public problems. Where like there were reports that they were going to force him out last year, a year. It's like after. a San Francisco Forty ers kind of deal. Yeah, so like yeah. it's very rare that you get the opportunity to like say, "Hey, you know this established coach who's building national title winner at Utah, you can have him," <laughs> and like Maryland yeah. probably could, and that would be great. That would be awesome, but how realistic is it? Because don't you think that if they're a playoff contender, which they are. Don't you think that the administration and him would make good at some point? Or maybe those bridges are too deep to are too burned to repair? I don't know Utah's situation well enough to answer that question. I mean, from what it sounds like, if they're at the point where after they win, like, I think it was nine games and at their best Pac-12 season ever, if they're like, no, we just we can't do this. I mean, I don't know. I think it doesn't sound like it's a happy situation there. Uh, like you said, I'm no expert on Utah t- either. I have just talked to people who, who know the situation better than me. Um it would it would uh, not surprise me if that was a potential candidate down the road. Um, it just it depends on a lot of factors, just like any of these hires. It's now how I guess what seriously I, do you take Kevin Anderson's ability to take this seriously? What I'm curious about is if there's somebody um, who might be able to exist in sort of a sweet spot where you wouldn't expect him to leave Maryland if he did too well, um, but somebody who could do really well. And I think to do that. Um, you kind of need to look to maybe somebody with sort of regional ties. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could take you to a dark place because it could take you towards like Al Golden, um, yep. which yep. you know. Uh, That's I, not I, offensive explosion and fireworks. I don't know. I don't know that Al Golden would be very fun or even successful. I mean, he's been fine, but um, there are a couple of guys who have like sort of ties to Maryland and sort of ties to Under Armour. Um, the Campbells and Rules kind of make some sense there. Um, Whittingham is an Under Armour type, by the way. Whittingham, yep, he is not. Yeah, Utah does wear Under Armour. Um, I wonder how we're talking Cam- about that right now. I wonder about Cam Cameron, given his time in Baltimore before. I wonder if Cam, Cam Cameron would be a guy, because he seems like he's well, enough of a retreat that he wouldn't really be attractive for like anybody that serious, but could do some good things at Maryland. I think there are two things to note here. One, never underestimate the NFL's ability to hire people who have just been thrown out there over and over again and failed. Two, I think it's more than just regional ties. Like, I think for Cam Cameron, for instance, he's old enough that if he takes a job like Maryland, he's not going to get another head coaching job after. Right. right. Um, that's, he's taking that with it probably being his last head coaching job. Um, so there's someone like that. And then the other model besides regional ties, which is always, you know, one of the, the ones is someone who has taken a bigger job and failed and <clears> is just, like <throat> done <throat> with that. <throat> yeah. Or Bo Pelini. I mean, like, or, uh, let me think, uh, Brady Coach. I mean, like you think about like Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, for instance, 
Like, after he failed at Michigan, he goes to Arizona, and he's probably staying there for a while because he just doesn't want to deal with it again. Right. Like, he had a bad experience there, and whatever, he's done. What do you think of Tuberville? Uh, yeah, that's another example. He was an SEC he's coach. He's 61 years old. Yeah, exactly. Um, he is a very, very good football coach with an exciting offense. Um, and he has had exciting offenses for, like, 12 years. Yep. And he has experience recruiting at the highest level. Um, yeah, I think that would be a great hire, honestly. And Auburn did go undefeated one season and won the Sugar Bowl. Should have uh, should have been should, in the title. Should have had it all, yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. And, stupid and he left BCS. Auburn in a position where two different successors were able to take them to national championship games in their first, what, two or three years on the job? I mean, he, he did a, he did a really impressive job leaving Auburn in, in much, much, much better shape than you know almost any fired coach has ever left in SEC program. Hey, do you remember why he left Auburn? Because I, I don't. I believe he was removed, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, let me. I don't think know. I don't think it was by his choice. All right. Before we get to some other things, I want to mention what are some off the board coaches? And I know SB Nation's favorite. We haven't mentioned Bob Stitt yet, so I think we should do a service and mention him, but. In terms of other off-the-board kind of candidates, who could we be looking at? Uh, just to answer the Tuberville question, after missing a bowl in his first year, they made bowl games in each of the la next eight years and then missed one his final year, and he resigned. Oh, uh, okay. Under I'd love to make bowl games in eight straight years. That seems like a novel concept. Anyway. Yeah, um, off-radar, the off there are a couple guys who I think are interesting. Um, we've talked about him on this podcast before, uh, but Bob Stitt is fun. Um, he is the most wide open offensive coach anywhere. I mean, I yes. don't, you know, if that if that were the only factor, then he would be, you know, he'd be he'd get any job he wanted. Um, Mike Tice is an alum, and he's been an NFL head coach before. Uh, he is Pete noted today, I believe, with Oakland now coaching linemen. And I know he was with Atlanta coaching linemen in the NFL. He was with the Jaguars at one point. Hardbacks. He was with so, the Jaguars at one point, too. So those, are, those are a couple of guys who, for different reasons, wouldn't be uh, too far out of the realm of what Anderson has said he's wanted. I think another interesting one is uh, Ken Niamatololo. Um, just maybe not fitting the exact mold you had in mind when uh, Kevin Anderson said an exciting wide-open offense, but it fits the bill. Triple option in Navy. Right. Is he? Now, I wonder. I mean, you know, Randy Etzel is sort of... Um, a bit of a military style guy, and I don't know much about Niamatololo. Is he's he, a cool cat. Is, is he is he in that Shiano mold? Given that he coaches at the Naval Academy, absolutely not. Let me tell you something about Ken Niamatololo, just to give you an idea. A he gives never been spoken before. He gives his coaching staff Friday mornings off so they can do. Uh, and I'm not sure, not every listener is going to be familiar with this phrase, so I'll explain it. He gives them Friday mornings off so they can do honeydews, basically uh, errands and tasks to make their partner happy. Uh, because when you're a coach, a lot of your time is taken up. And uh, speaking as a sports writer as well, it can get a little uh, tense because not helping out doing stuff. So Ken Niamatololo gives his coaches that time off so he could do that. And I and, think that's very kind of him. And he kind of fits the regional ties, too. I mean, it is the Naval Academy. Yeah, They're it's up in Maryland. The road. Yeah. No, he I mean, obviously, I, mean, I wonder how much somebody who's coached at the Naval Academy is going to do from a recruiting standpoint. That's the problem. They're literally not allowed to recruit. Yeah. Really. I mean, there's um, really, I mean, you can only recruit people who are going to But, join. like, I mean, yeah. the, if you're coming into this with the assumption that that coach is going to be almost required to hold on to Mike Loxley, and I don't know if that's true. But, you know, I mean, Mike that's, Loxley that's appears to be, be important. Thing. 
it's it might yes. actually is important to Maryland's future. And so, I mean, if he if he leaves, I could see there being some pretty serious problems that are associated with that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Corey Robinson seems to be a a fine local connection to have on the staff as well. Um, but Maryland has to figure out a situation where either it brings in enough recruiting acumen to offset of any potential loss of Loxley, or it brings in someone who can run the offense better than Loxley has. Yeah, uh, that, is, that is definitely true. Well, and the also thing we should mention, of course, Kate, Kevin Anderson was the AD at Army. So, I mean, it's not Navy, but it is service academy connections that we should mention. So those are all the coaching candidates. I'm assuming we're going to get constant updates. Well, here we will. And on the website, you're probably going to get updates like that as well. Right, Pete and Alex? I would assume so. Oh, yeah. The updates. There will be constant updates. Uh, we should mention that there was a game on Saturday. Uh, we, we said we'd talk about it a little bit. We kind of already did. Uh, the one thing that I loved about that press conference from Mike Loxley is he said Perry Hills is the starter and dropped it. There is no question at quarterback going forward. That might be a good or a bad thing, but Perry Hills played another pretty fantastic game on the road against a top 10 team. The game that it reminded me of was when Maryland went to West Virginia three years ago and West Virginia was eighth in the country and that game was closer than it should have been. This game was also closer than it should have been. So we should give credit to Perry Hills because that he outran Ezekiel Elliott. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, props I know to Perry Hills. Here's what I was confused about with that game, though. You know, Randy Etzel said after the game, former Maryland head coach Randy Etzel said after the game that that was part of Maryland's game plan, was to have Perry Hills run. I honestly, I, I'm a little skeptical because Perry Hills was running, not really in a design sense, but more more for his life, kind of in that way. You know, Ohio State just didn't didn't really quarterback spy, and, and Hills just ran ran everywhere. Um, I, that's like, maybe that'll work going forward. I don't know how well, I, I don't know how well that'll keep working. Oh, uh, you can't, you can't. Well, what's the other option? That's the problem. Caleb wrote those interceptions or Dax I mean, he completed like 30% of his passes. So that, I, I mean, know, really but isn't, again, it's the yeah. best of a bad bunch. Well, yeah. you also should mention, I think Urban Meyer's quotes after the game were kind of like, well, did you expect to see that coming? And he was kind of like, well, yeah, no, not really. Maybe. Sort of. He, he didn't. Th I don't think he gave a great answer to that, but it was clear he kind of didn't see that coming. And I think Penn State, even though they're playing Ohio State, is going to put a spy on Perry Hills. I think that's pretty obvious. I think all teams are going to do that going forward. But he's well, I think that just the idea that there's going to be consistency at quarterback instead of constant questions is pretty good. That would that's at least a change from uh, past regime. What other little Mike Loxley said there are going to be minor tweaks to the day-to-day -day stuff with Maryland, what could those tweaks possibly be, Alex? Well, what could they possibly be? It could be a lot of things. Um, could be, as I mentioned earlier, just a little bit more of a, kind of a flair to Maryland's offensive flavor going down the stretch here. Um, could mean Mike Loxley kind of spreading out his offensive coordinator duties among different offensive coaches, maybe Keenan McCardell would get involved, and you have no idea what that could mean. That could mean, I mean, Keenan Mark, you know, I don't know much about Keenan McCardell as a coach beyond that his players have spoken well of him, but maybe he could have a bigger role. Maybe that could mean some more vertical receiving game, except that requires a vertical passing game. Uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that when personnel changes, uh, the schemes and things like that can also change. We'll have to see. I mean, Maryland has to implement a lot of things over the next... 12 days or so before they play Penn State. 
We'll have plenty of time to do that. Pete, are there anything that you would want it, that you think could be changed? I would love it if Keenan McCardell had a bigger role in his offense, uh, although that would mean a lot of him being second fiddle to a better deep threat receiver. Hint, hint, Jaguars reference that many of you probably won't get. Anyway, I love Keenan McCardell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure um, what we'll see. You know, it's, it's hard to, I don't know, with Maryland in, in coaching search mode and, like, with how clear it is how bad the team is this year, it's it is hard to focus on like the year ahead and and what that means. Um, in terms of what I hope, I mean, it would make me happy to see Mike Loxley give someone else some play calling responsibilities. Or I don't know, maybe if he's like if this is the real Mike Loxley opening up his stuff, I would be happy to see that too. Um, but I don't know. It'll be fun. It's kind of like when if you're in like the group stages of a tournament and you've already been knocked out i mean the rest of your games are just to kind of like figure out what you want to do I how mean, you want to do it doesn't that kind of mean that we as all of us as maryland fans watching the final six games it means we are going to be watching them with different eyes now i mean going into the penn state game that's another game and all of them from now on is maryland playing with house money and i mean maybe my, not mike Loxley because he has a job to possibly win but the team could be playing with house money. So doesn't if, that think yeah. it's going to change the approach? If you're a team with an interim coach, any wins are a bonus. It's great. And what Bill Cupid's doing at Illinois, that's great. It's not the norm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think I don't having an interim probably norm. helps, too, in terms of the amount of risks that you can take. I mean, if Mike Loxley goes 0-6, then big deal. Um, right. Because Maryland's probably – I mean, Maryland's not going to be six wins here. I mean, that, that's just not going to happen. So um, it's a matter yeah. of just doing good things. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get to a bowl. Which is, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Is there anything else we missed? I think there was one question that asked about Scott Milanovic, who's in the CFL, uh, whether he's a possible head coaching candidate. I think we should, should we debunk that now? Or yeah, It just seems outside the scope of reason. I, I'm not, like, I don't really have any particular reason to say no, other than it just seems pretty remote. And I don't know. I, it, it, uh, it's possible. I, yeah. Who knows? I think, again, like kind of the point of the, the post today was like, the, the answer to all of these is, huh, who knows? It's possible. I mean, right. sure, he's he's coaching a, at a high level, um, has, is an offensive-based coach, has a very strong school tie. Um, it's a winning team. I mean, like, yeah, who knows? I mean, well, the last coach that went from uh, the Canadian Football League to the NFL or to American football, that didn't go particularly well. <laughs> but, again... Different situation, different coach. Doesn't, I know, really I know, matter. I know. But people are going to do that, so therefore I have to to broaden our scope. So this was a this was a marathon podcast, but it should have been a marathon podcast because we have a lot to talk about. By the way, you get to any questions? Yeah. Well, there weren't really many questions. I think we kind of asked them. I know Andrew Wynn asked of all the coaches we could possibly hire, who makes up the top five for best fit and build the program here. I think we kind of answered that. I think, I think we got enough for yeah. Yeah, I think, and, and then how does UM justify, uh, David Morad says, how does UM justify Mike Loxley after his history? Uh, they're justifying I mean, it because he's an interim. Yeah, it's, that's not really uh, something that has to be justified, I don't think. I think so. so uh, even if you, uh, Kral asks, uh, even if you were to win a couple, is Loxley exciting enough for the boosters? I think we should mention quickly before we go, like how much influence I think the boosters, particularly Under Armour, have in this case, because there are a lot of high-level donors that we're clearly getting. Yeah, I think Kevin, the Plank of the program. Is, Kevin Plank is going to be, I'm sure, highly involved. In he was involved in the last search. Yeah, I mean, he, he loaned his plane so that Maryland be there. could interview people. He'll be there. Yeah. Damon Evans, I think, will be there. Maryland's uh, assistant or associate athletic director will be involved. Um, and it's going to be a big effort. Yeah, as for be... Loxley, I mean, like, a lot of these questions seem to 
feel like Maryland hired Mike Loxley to be the head coach. That has not happened. Nope. Um, an interim coach is just the guy you trust most to be able to lead the team for the rest of the year. And, and it was either else, Loxley or Lyndon Johnson who wound up being impeached. Yeah, um, he got fired. So oh! Like, took that, took oh! That, oh, my God, Alex. Took that, took that from the comments. That was a three out of ten. That, took that from the comments there. At least, uh, you know, didn't that happen to him? What happened to his yeah. predecessor? You know? So with Mike Loxley, I mean, like, hey, he had a bad stand at New Mexico. There are certain things that make him a sensible choice for Maryland. But mostly he's just in a position right now to help guide the ship to a smooth landing, um, which not going to further any Titanic metaphors there, but he's, he's just going, going forward with this. I mean, the only way he gets hired is if he does really well. So don't be worried. Again, yeah. Playing with house money. We should mention that. And Maryland's probably not going to win many games anyway. So as I mentioned before, I don't think the likelihood is he gets hired. Uh, One question before we go that I have is, I know this is a weird one considering circumstances change, but this is probably to date. The most important hire in the history of Maryland's football program. Would you agree, Pete? Uh, yeah. Good. Alex? Sure. Good. Perfect. Love the one-word answers. By the way, if you're interested in getting away from all of this football negativity and sadness, Maryland Madness is 6 o'clock Saturday night at Xfinity Center. There's a lot of magic involved. I have no idea whether that means the band magic or every little thing she does is magic or Magic Mountain coming to Maryland. That would be cool. I'd go if Magic if they had started having Magic Mountain stuff going around Maryland. That would be interesting. Uh, you guys going or? Uh, I ex- I'll probably be there. We're gonna have a couple people there. I have a feeling that I will wind up being there because why would I want to do something else on Saturday night? Uh, well, there are other things you can do on Saturday night, but anyway, uh, and Pete's probably <laughs> going to be working because it's a good day of college football on Saturday. It sure is. I, I would encourage people, even if you're sick of Maryland, Saturday's going to be maybe the best college football day of the yeah, season. Yeah, what's on the schedule? I actually haven't even had Iowa set. Northwestern no for the Big Ten West, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, That's Florida, a LSU, although that has Michigan, the shine taken off. probably going to go ahead and win that game and then be in the college football playoff, huh? Uh, yep, uh, Florida LSU, although that got the shine taken off it really quickly based on what happened before we started recording. Uh-huh. It could always be worse, kids. It could always be worse. Well, You're I think that would still rather be no. <laughs> well, 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 true, but I'd, I'd rather not be good and then have then lose our best player. You wouldn't? I would, I would certainly rather have a good team that loses its best player. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know about that, but maybe... But maybe that's because most of the Florida fans I follow are also Jaguars fans, and we're all so jaded right now. Uh, so that's good. Uh, USC Notre Dame is on Saturday. Ole Miss Memphis. That could be the Justin Fuente coming out party to everybody else that doesn't already know who Justin Fuente is. Uh, I think I mentioned uh, Iowa, Iowa Northwestern, West Virginia Baylor, if you like points. Uh, Texas A&M against Alabama. There's a lot of good games on Saturday. Fantastic day of college football, and I, I'm going to enjoy it with uh, no rooting interest, which is a lot of fun. So thank you for joining us on this marathon podcast. Hopefully you will listen and subscribe and do all of the fun stuff. We had over 6,000 plays on SoundCloud. That's awesome. Thank you very much for joining us, Pete, and providing all of your knowledge. And now you can go back to eSports. Perfect. Alex, thank you for joining us again. Well, you're one of the co-editors, so you're going to be on this podcast quite a lot now, so get used to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt's Musings Ones just to proviso. I'm not only tweeting about Maryland because why would I do that? Maryland football makes me sad. Although Maryland basketball will make me quite happy in the future. So oh, thank at you. At Testudo listening. Times. At Testudo Times. At Pete underscore Volk, I think is right. Yes. Uh, Alex Kirshner, your handle's your name. So yep, follow, all, like yep. follow all of us there. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. And of course, go to